What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Expected Bets for your weekly NHL gambling podcast presented by the Oddsbreakers. Today is a very special episode. Some would say the start of something new. I know I've had Matt on before, aka Top Cheddar Picks, but today Matt has officially joined me as another co-host of the Expected Bets for podcast. So Matt, how are we doing? Hey guys, uh, really appreciate you kind of having me back on. I must have done pretty good last time out, seeing as you guys want me back uh, for a little bit longer, but definitely excited to do this, um, you know, on more of a full-time basis. I know I kind of hinted at it on social media, wanted to kind of do more content uh, and whatnot. So this podcast is going to be a ton of fun. Um, and yeah, it's going to be great just talking about betting uh, and NHL in general. It's a really exciting time of the season, especially coming off the trade deadline and really getting the kind of that playoff kick. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, besides this podcast, I think me and Matt have started to kind of discuss some more content uh, outside the podcast as well to really kind of give some more insight into our day-to-day betting lives, essentially of breaking down Matt's specialty of player props, and then really going into kind of how we approach a game and what numbers we use and just providing more feedback to you guys as well of questions on certain games or kind of what you guys are looking at tonight. So we're very excited for that moving forward. We're st- Matt has actually started a Discord. Matt, do you want to kind of go ahead and give him a little introduction to that as well? Yes. Yeah, so really just kind of created a community Discord. Um, again, completely free. We're not nothing like a, a paid VIP Discord. Just somewhere for people to kind of go in, uh, you know, talk sports, post your picks. We got a couple people um, you know, with channels that are posting their picks and it's not just hockey related. We're trying to make it every single sport, um, just where anyone wants to go, they can go talk sports. If they want to, we have separate channels for video games, music, whatever it might be. Um, so just a fun place to kind of make some friends, talk different things. And, um, I think it's a really good way to kind of build up a community. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And we'll definitely include that link in the podcast. So you guys can go check it out there. It'll be in the article as well. So multiple f- spots to find that link as well. And we touched on it before. What I mean, what an exciting time of the year for the NHL right now. Trade deadline just closed. Some major moves so far, but when really looking at it before of all the names that were kind of tossed around of potential moving spots and kind of just certain other big names, a few, a few, I guess you have here, obviously Giordano moved kind of one of the major names to start with. So Thoughts on that? I know he he heads out to Toronto. Um, so just initial thoughts on Giordano's move. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a much needed move by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, coming up to this deadline, I thought there was two things that they were really going to look to do, and it's shore up the defense and also shore up their goaltending. Uh, pretty surprised they didn't try to get another goalie in. I know they had Sateri signed but then he got claimed off of waivers but i'm shocked they didn't make a trade for a goalie off of that but i think mark giardano's just a really good defenseman have shores up that top four i know jake muzzin got injured i'm not sure if he's back yet at this point but he's been injured for a while and uh, it's nice to have that extra depth good veteran piece um yeah no, yeah, i agree I, yeah colin blackwell went along with him to toronto and yeah you touched on before the satiri thing was kind of really crazy to see how it played out because Obviously, the Leafs release, Brazic, he's gone. He was awful. He kind of had the chance to start as Campbell got hurt. He came in, kind of the biggest, I think, turning point for the Leafs organization was realizing when Brazic wasn't it, was the 
heritage game when Buffalo scored two to three, just God awful goals against him and really just took his team out of contention for that game completely. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Leafs are always one of those teams that it's interesting to see where they make a move. Uh, they desperately need Campbell back to return to form before the all-star break. I know he was struggling a bit going into his injury, but we'll see what they do. Besides that, I know Mark Andre Fleury was rumored to go to the Leafs. That obviously didn't end up happening as he goes to the Wild. The Wild really needed some goaltending with Talbot and uh, Capo Kakinen struggling as of late. So, I mean, Minnesota is another interesting team. They have a solid base. They're going to make the playoffs. They can make a run. Um, so, yeah, any, any thoughts on kind of the state of Minnesota hockey right now, essentially? Yeah, I mean, I love that pickup for them. Yeah, uh, Mark Andre Fleury last year, people forget he even he, even, he was the best goal in the NHL, and just because he's been put behind a really bad, leaky Chicago Blackhawks team doesn't mean that people really. I think a lot of people forgot just how good he was uh, last year for Vegas. Um, a lot of people see Cam Talbot; they're like, "Hey, he was an All Star." I know coming up to the All Star game, a lot of Wild fans were wondering how he even made an All Star team. Like he was good, he wasn't great. Uh, I think it's a big pickup. Cam Talbot's another one of those, like Jack Campbell, like the Leafs, are, he's kind of struggled um, coming into that break. He's picked up his game as of late. I think he's actually won four in a row, but that little kind of like month period before that was pretty bad. Um, and I think that's a really good one-two punch to have. I think a lot of teams will see success having kind of that 1A, 1B, uh, playing the hot goalie and whoever's hot stays in. I think it's good competition as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, goaltending is kind of the biggest thing in the playoffs. We've seen it in past few years. Basically, Carey Price takes this no-name team who essentially doesn't have any offense, leads them to the Stanley Cup Finals. Vasilevsky has played kind of out of his mind in the past two playoffs for the Lightning, leading them to back-to-back Stanley Cups. So if you can get that hot goaltender coming into the playoffs, you're going to make a run. Like, there's no there's no two ways about it. Goaltending is essentially everything when it comes to the playoffs. And then you look at Claude Giroux, longtime flyer, captain, kind of face the franchise, essentially, heads to the Panthers along with Ben Chirot. I mean, when you're looking at complete teams in the NHL right now, besides maybe the Panthers' bottom six of kind of iffy depth scoring there, they're a complete team. And they, I mean, they should be the odds-on favorite to win, despite, I think, it's Tampa Bay at the current moment. So, Thoughts on Florida? Yeah, I think Florida is a very interesting piece. Uh, Cludger was a no-brainer for them. Personally, it seemed like that was the only team he even wanted to go to to mm-hmm. begin with. So they, first off, got a pretty good cut rate deal um, based off of you know what other teams were basically asking for, or other teams were willing to give for Cludger. So I think that's a good pickup. I think they overpaid a little bit for Ben Sherrod. I think most people um, agree that same sentiment, but it shores up their top four a good penalty killer. And that's stuff that's very valuable come playoff time. In terms of if they're the favorite, that's, that's tough. I don't know if I would call them the favorite only because this whole Eastern conference is stacked. I think they did a pretty good job shoring up their team, but so did kind of the biggest rival, I think in the East for them, Tampa Bay lightning. I think they made some huge moves. Um, And I personally, if I had to give an edge to someone, it would be, Tampa Bay in the East. Uh, But don't get me wrong. I think Florida absolutely is a good enough team to kind of take in that. That's going to be a really interesting game or series if we get to see it. 
Yeah, I think we saw last year Florida uh, in the regular season series versus Tampa win that last crucial game to get kind of home ice advantage. But it is the Panthers. And at what point is home ice advantage? Just not really. I mean, the fan base isn't there. It's not when you really look at these other teams competing in the East. Boston's massive fan base. Slowly Carolina's built a fan base as well, um, kind of with their off-ice antics. And then even just on the ice, they're just a very fun team to watch, night in and night out. That provides just great hockey. Um, other major news, I'd say Colorado added some depth scoring. Uh, and I, I, any other teams you really think kind of made some great moves before the deadline? I think the team that improved the most come deadlines, the Calgary Flames. I love they did their work early. They didn't wait till the trade deadline. Uh, Tyler Toffoli and Carl Youngcroc, or I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but those are two really good depth pickups. Tyler Toffoli's kind of joined them and just picked up where he left off um, and almost gotten even better uh, since what he was doing with Montreal. He's been great. I think he's been promoted um, up to a top six um, kind of line there. He's been scoring, putting up points. Overall, just been a really good pickup for them. Uh, and I love Calgary. I just think their team's built for the playoffs. Their goaltending has been incredible. And I know you wanted to talk a little about playoffs. So I'll save some of it for that. Uh, but I love what Calgary did. Uh, and overall, I think Calgary, in my opinion, is a, a big winner uh, for that. And I think Tampa Bay, again, just kind of love how they have their model of what they like to do come trade deadline time. And they kind of just do it every single year at this point, the same way they picked up Blake Coleman. Uh, you know, Hagel's kind of that exact same piece. So I love that pickup um, and he's cost controlled. You know, he's not a UFA rental. Like I know a lot of teams were worried about picking up UFAs. Yeah. I mean, we can get into playoffs now looking at the standings right now, as we head into kind of the, essentially the final month before the playoffs start, looks like the East kind of has their top eight teams. There's going to be a little bit shuffling between the standings and seating, obviously, but Columbus is still 13 games out of a wild card behind Washington and 16 behind Boston there. So the East seems pretty shirt up. Obviously there'll be some metros kind of still wide open as New York and Pittsburgh are three points behind Carolina, but I still think Carolina takes that metropolitan division and it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how the Atlantic plays out between Florida and Tampa as we head down the stretch there so any thoughts on kind of some final seeding as we head to the last month before playoffs in the Eastern Conference? I mean, I think I think you nailed it on the head. I think the Eastern Conference is pretty nailed on. Uh, I don't think Columbus is going to jump Washington. I mean, they're 13 points back. That's a lot of points to make up. I know there's, what, 19, 20 games left, but that's a lot of points to make up. I think the East is pretty set um, on that. But I do agree with you. I think seeding is really important in the East. Uh, we'll go into it after. I know you're mentioning just kind of who's going to make the playoffs right now, but seating's crucial, especially in that Atlantic. Cause I, I mean, if you're Florida, you don't want to be playing Tampa Bay in the first round. And that's a very likely possibility if Tampa Bay somehow dropped to four. Uh, so yeah, I think seating's crucial, but I think for the most part, we have our top eight already figured out over in the East. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And then you kind of head to the West. You obviously the Central, Colorado's kind of locked that division up, which, I mean, you always hate to say someone's kind of locked the division out, but they have. They're pretty much 20 points clear of Minnesota and Nashville at this point. Um, and they really aren't a team that loses too many games in a row. So I doubt they're going to drop 20 points in a month, and it's, it's just not possible. So Colorado's going to lock up the first in the Central. 
Then you had to the Pacific Division. I mean, Edmonton was on a, in, a, in first place beginning of the year. They look great. Everyone loves them. Goes on a terrible streak, essentially drops out of the playoffs. Now they're back in. They're sitting in third right now, one point behind the Kings, who are in second place in the Pacific. That's a wide open division. And then you even get down into the wild card where you have St. Louis, Vegas, even Dallas, Winnipeg, and Vancouver are still all in the running. So I want to hear your thoughts on kind of as we head into the final stretch of this month, what you're looking for in terms of kind of movement out of the West. Yeah, I think the West is where we're pretty open. I wouldn't say wide open. I think for the most part, it's really one spot, maybe two spots left um, for battle over there. And I really think that it would be that fourth spot in the Pacific, which could potentially either be a fifth team from the Central or just getting four and four. But I think that's the spot that's open. You're looking at Dallas. Winnipeg has a chance, but I'd say an outside chance. Um, And then Vegas, Vancouver. So you're looking at those kind of what four or five teams um, that'll make it a pretty good run. I, I think we've kind of mentioned it right now, but Vegas has been really bad as of late. And I know coming into it, they picked up Jack Eichel and everyone's talking about Stanley cup, like aspirations. We don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. They, they've been pretty bad as of late. I think they're like three and seven or four and six in their last 10. Um, a lot of injury problems. Max Petretti's on IR. Um, I know Mark Stone's on IR. Definitely have injury problems here, but that team's in trouble. Um, yeah, Vancouver. But, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was saying I'm glad you touched on Vegas because that was kind of my next point. There was, I mean, you brought up the perfect point that they trade for Eichel. They put themselves essentially in salary cap hell, and now they're sitting on the bubble, being like, "Was this all worth it?" Kind of, where do we go from here as a franchise, essentially? So I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, and I think even funnier, like there's guys that they at this point they can't even have some of their injured guys come back because of that Evgeny Dadanov trade and whatever's going on with that news right now. I personally think from what it looks like it, that trade's gonna get voided. And if he's not dealt, they're not gonna have the cap space to call some of their guys off of long-term IR. And that's that's very interesting, right? I I'm really interested to see what's gonna happen there. Um and yeah, yeah. I Go ahead. No, yeah, I was saying that that that's probably the biggest news. I'd say obviously a few major names, but the Dadanoff trade is absolutely kind of mind like mind boggling um, for that whole that whole thing. Like Vegas essentially has to get rid of him, and he claims that he submitted essentially a no trade clause. Anaheim was on there. Vegas says they didn't know about it. They didn't have it essentially. So, I mean, I I don't know how it's going to play out really at all. I mean, I. Th- they, look, if he if he truthfully has a new trade clause registered and Anaheim's on it, there's just no way that trade can go through. Uh, I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if it's Ottawa's from when they dealt him to Vegas. I don't know if it's Vegas's. I think at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that I noticed, and I don't know how this isn't already happening, but I found out that apparently the NHL Central Registry doesn't have those lists. Uh I think it would make sense if the people that are getting all the trades and approving trades, I think they need to have a list of every single player's no trade clause in like some central registry. So like this never happens. It's just like clear as day team calls players getting traded. They can double check it real quick and be like, all right, trade approved as long as you know, everything else works. Uh, So I think this news is going to lead to that. I can't see how it doesn't, Uh, but yeah, it's definitely either way. Really interesting to see. Cause like I said, 
you can't trade them if this doesn't go through. You don't really want to keep an unhappy player there because they, they don't want to have you anyway. But at the same time, like you can't trade them. They need the cap space. So I have no idea how this is going to pan out. Yeah, no, it it's going to be very interesting. And kind of the whole other thing, too, is where if this trade does go through and there's more information comes out kind of as the future in regards to this new trade clause, players unions obviously could be upset for the NHL kind of disregarding them and not essentially protecting their own players. And I think the ultimate point you made was it's not going to go through. I think it's going to create a ton of issues if this actually does. And kind of for both parties, whether it be NHL and the players union, I think that this just hasn't, doesn't clear essentially. And Vegas is kind of left essentially just holding an unhappy player for the rest of the year. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I agree with your point of there's just no, no, way it should go through essentially yeah i i think you would have absolute hell raised by the nhl players association if something like this went through yeah i agree and then kind of in other news so playoffs obviously start may 2nd uh or may coming up and some other news too is i mean we saw this before at the ncaa tournament starting this weekend i believe I mean, players are going to start to come into, uh, not sure the prospect list, I don't have it in front of me, but you're going to start seeing some of these major players uh, from these teams, some of the top talent uh, come up to these playoff contention teams and start to really kind of make an impact. I think the last guy that we really saw that's kind of was renowned for it was obviously Kale McCarr coming up. I don't know if you kind of had any thoughts on just kind of that whole process in general or um, just anything about that. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I think the NCAA has done a really good job of developing a lot of good players. Uh, you're looking at Kilmacar, great example. Adam Fox came kind of from that same background as well. There's some really good players coming here. I saw, was it the Arizona Coyotes are kind of backing their rebuild behind it. I, I forget the name of the player, but the player they picked up in the Brian Little trade. Um, I know he's like 23 years old, senior in college, who was really good. Uh, the Coyotes also picking up Jake McBain for a second round pick, one of the top guys in the NCAA. Uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I know a lot of the players currently playing in the NCAA, kind of like those superstars, like your Owen Powers, Luke Hughes, they're crushing it there, but I don't think they're expected uh, to sign an entry level contract, even kind of get a taste. Uh, but either way, I think there's a lot of good players there. And I think those players are going to be very good. And you've seen a lot of success. Like I mentioned, Kel McCarr, Adam Fox, there's two names of, you know, elite level superstars that have been kind of developed and molded in the NCAA game. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great to see, honestly, because for a while, the NCAA just really wasn't, I'd say, as relevant as it is now in kind of developing prospects and people and these young players weren't looking to play college because it just wasn't leading to success in the NHL. So it's always nice to kind of see that trend. And it's also just a great product in general. Um, so that's starting this week, I believe the 16th. Um, yeah, the 16th. 16 team uh, bracket started there. So final four is coming up in April 8th, 9th weekend. So that should be fun to see. But as we have, I was just going to say one point on that. I I don't know what odds are anything, but you have to think Michigan's got to be a favorite in the the 2021 NHL draft. They had what seven first round picks that committed to the university of Michigan. They had the first, second, fourth and fifth overall guy. Like that team just on name power seems insane. And I'd be excited to kind of see where that goes and how that team does overall. Yeah, I know they um, I know they beat Notre Dame in the Big Ten 
semifinals and then they faced off against Minnesota and I believe Minnesota won. I mean, you have your, obviously, I think your top three seeds or four right now are Minnesota state, Minnesota. I think Michigan's up there as well, but there's a lot of Boston schools. I mean, Northeastern made the tournament, UMass made the tournament. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see, obviously your major colleges are from Massachusetts and kind of Minnesota. So we'll see who makes it there, but yeah, I'd say if Michigan doesn't end up making the frozen forwards, definitely kind of a letdown season for them, given their preseason hype, especially. For sure. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, let's head on to Wednesday, March 23rd games. There's four games on the slate, some interesting matchups I'd say, but uh, not an overly kind of exciting marquee matchup, obviously the TNT, uh, they'll be broadcasting both the Pittsburgh Buffalo game and I believe the Vancouver Colorado game. Um, so that's always fun to see. That's honestly one of the best things the NHL has done for marketing. Uh, these obviously besides the ESPN deal, but just to kind of have some actual personalities behind these games is I, it, I love it. I think it was a great move for them to kind of bring in uh, this and that to see Gretzky up there with him and interact. And that whole uh, panel has just been great for the NHL. Yeah. I think TNT has been awesome so far from what they brought. I did just want to touch one more thing on the NHL playoffs and curiosity, get your, your picks. If you had to pick right now, post trade deadline, two teams, who's in the Stanley cup finals. Post trade deadline, two teams. I I go with your pick before I think Calgary, I think Calgary kind of pieced it together with everything. And honestly, I'm looking at Carolina. I like Carolina's team a lot. And I think they're kind of built that they can withstand. They're a gritty team enough that's going to kind of compete this year. And obviously you have to go through Florida, Tampa Bay, but I think Carolina is right up there with them. So I'm going to lean on Carolina here. I think Anderson gets hot when it comes to playoff time and they have the top six scoring that can match up and kind of provide them with some key goals. So what about you? Yeah. I mean, I'm all aboard the Calgary train. Yeah. Uh, I love them. It's not to discredit Colorado. I think, the one thing that I see in that West is that I think it's for the most part, a two horse race. I can't really see anyone besides Calgary or Colorado coming out of the West. Uh, you know, there's some good teams. I think Minnesota's gotten better and we'll see kind of how they pick up from there. If anyone was to, I think Minnesota would be the, that third team I would say, but the East is just going to be an absolute like bloodbath. Like I, I don't even know how to say, but like, I, I wouldn't surprise me if any one of the eight teams that make the playoffs in the East came out of the East. I think they're all good enough to kind of go on a run and get hot. And that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, but gun to my head, have to p- pick two teams right now. I'm going Calgary and I'm going back with the boring option of Tampa Bay. The only reason I don't love the Florida Panthers is one, they're very reliant on home. Like they're a very good team. The Florida Panthers are 27 and five at home and not saying this is bad, but they're 16 and 16, eight and six away from home, effectively 16 and 14 away from home. Um, So in the playoffs, that's real important, right? Like you're going to have to win away games uh, to kind of clinch a series. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to be, have that home ice advantage, but it's very rare that you win every single one of your home games. Uh, So I think I like Tampa Bay coming out of the East, but that's just going to be a bloodbath. I could see any one of those eight coming out. Yeah. The, the one team that kind of interested me was the Bruins. Obviously the whole Tuka Rask thing didn't work out, which was just a terrible move to begin with because you're sending your best goalie 
and your youngest goalie, Jeremy Swayman, down to the AHL. You're leaving yourself with Linus Olmark and Tuka Rask, which are honestly just two not great goalies. Olmark struggled since coming over from Buffalo. DeBrusque, rumored to get traded, kind of had said he wanted out, essentially, of the organization. They re-sign him. They bolster their decor, and they have a ton of veterans up front um, to really make a run. They're always a scrappy team, so I'm very curious to see if the Bruins kind of what they do, essentially, given their first-round matchup, and I think that's what we talked about before, if seeding is so crucial this year. Um, I kind of see who they... I can easily see Boston going on a run. Yeah. Like, I think Olmark might have been might have struggled recently, but like he's still been pretty good this year. Swayman's been incredible this year. They have a good team of veterans and a good mix of you know good offensive players, um, forwards that are really good defensively. They have really good team defense, uh, like I said, and they're just a physical team. I could see them going far. Yeah, no, but it, it, I, I was just gonna say they're just in a hellhole of Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and them. Like that's just gonna be such a grueling two matchups to even become the Eastern Conference finalist. Yeah. And that's a tough thing too. So if you're like, if so essentially playoffs come down, you got the seating and you're looking at placing futures on the Eastern and Western conference. For me, the strategy would almost be your Western conference. You can load up on your top seeds. You have kind of your two options. You can take maybe a small profit. If one or two of them gets there, the East, I'd say you'd almost want to spread it out more and take more teams at higher odds, given the vulnerability of the East and just anything that can happen. Yeah, I, I got lucky because I've been on Calgary's kind of horse for a while. I told a lot of people for almost two, three months now, um, they're, they're one of my favorites out West. So I got them at really good odds, like before their odds have gotten, um, I don't even know what their odds are currently at now, but like we got them early at much better odds. But still, I mean, Colorado's kind of odds on favorite there uh, come the West. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting to see when Landis Gog returns. I don't know if there's anything kind of been out recently, nothing I've seen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be an exciting kind of run to see because they have just kind of disappointed themselves the past few years. And to see if they're, they're kind of in win-now mode, essentially, in Colorado, given their uh, talent and roster especially. So we'll see yep. what happens with them. But, all right, you good for Wednesday? Yeah, let's, let's go right this. into it. All right. We have the Pittsburgh Penguins traveling to take on my Buffalo Sabres at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Pittsburgh opens at minus 220 on the money line. Buffalo at plus 175. Sabres are an interesting team. Didn't really do much. The trade deadline essentially kind of had their young core, made their major move earlier with Eichel. And they do have a bunch of pieces moving forward. I believe they have two plus draft picks in the first round this year. So Sabres really didn't want to do anything uh, from what I can see. And they have been playing some better hockey as of late. We're on a West Coast road trip, took down Vancouver and OT and defeated the Calgary Flames one to nothing, which was something that I can't say anyone saw coming, especially a low scoring game in a game which in Buffalo wins. So that, that completely threw me off for a little bit. And you look at Pittsburgh, third the Metro, really turned their season around. Um, got some great depth scoring earlier in the season with Malkin and Crosby out and Gensel too. So now they're 7-2-1 in their last 10. They look great. Struggled a bit on offense recently, uh, slightly below their season average in their last 10, but their defense has really stepped up as of late. 
Buffalo kind of around their season average for scoring and have been much better on defense as of late. So I want to hear your thoughts on kind of this game. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to be crazy to bet on anything. If you're doing money line to bet on anything other than Pittsburgh, I've kind of been pounding the table about Pittsburgh away from home. They're one of the few teams in the NHL that are much better away from home than at home. Uh, at home, they're effectively counting overtimes, I think 17 and like 13 or yeah. something like that. But on the road, they're like 21 and 10 or something like that. So away from home, really like Pittsburgh, but it's a little too juiced for me on the money line. If you go three-way, it's minus 130 or something like that. I don't love that either. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, but I think I do like the over-under here. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think it's opening up at, what, six at minus six. 105? Yeah. Um, I think that's really good value and really good odds, especially against a Sabres team that gives up a ton of goals um, and also can score goals themselves. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the angle here is a lot of people are going to – Think Pitt, so Pittsburgh's playing tonight, Tuesday night versus Columbus. Jerry starting their backup, dismissed starting tomorrow. You're going to be looking at, oh, Pittsburgh's coming off a of back to back. It's a possible let's let down spot. Pittsburgh's actually four, two, and two on no days rest this year. So Pittsburgh is one of those teams that essentially doesn't have a letdown after kind of a game. Columbus isn't necessarily one of your top tier opponents. So I'm curious to see how that game goes. But again, I agree with you on this point. I think the over-under at six, catching it at minus 105 is some great value. I know it opened at five and a half. Obviously, can't get that now. But I think if you were to play something here, I would look at this. I would look at the six here. Anderson's been streaky as of late. And the Sabres have gotten kind of a defensive push, especially from Rasmus Dahlin as of late. He's looked much better and looked actually like a first overall pick. And then you have Teach Thompson, who's really come on this year. Looks great. Skinner's even... I wouldn't say playing up to his $8 million contract. I'd say he's maybe playing to like a $4.5 million contract. Um, and that contract was just absurd. So I don't want to get into that. But yeah, no, I think the six has value here, especially given kind of the goaltending matchup and kind of each team's strength when you look at this matchup. Yep. And I was going to mention that exact thing with uh, Pittsburgh's backup, most likely. I don't know if that's confirmed. Uh, or just expected, but playing on a back-to-back, you're expecting the backup there. Uh, and like I said, Buffalo just gives up a ton of goals, so definitely like the uh, the over six to, or tomorrow or tomorrow night, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Pittsburgh's one of those teams. So Jerry was confirmed for tonight, and Pittsburgh's one of those teams I know that kind of does somewhat rely on their backup goaltender. Uh, so I'm assuming DeSmith will get the start, especially against the Sabers too. So it's not like it's a must-win game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Exactly. So, so I'm guessing DeSmith will start. So yeah. I agree with you over on this bet with the six. Any player props that you're kind of looking to target in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think one of those that I've been kind of pounding, again, for a while now has been Evan Rodriguez. He's been promoted up to that first line. uh, And ever since he's been on that first line, he's hit in five of five. He's hit his shots on goal prop five in a row. He's usually in it around that minus... 105 to minus 120 range he's not overly juiced and again today some people thought with the pickup of ricardo raquel he might get bumped down but he's kind of retained that first line spot uh against the blue jackets so fully expect unless their offense completely just kind of shits the bed he'll still be that first line spot so if he retains that first line spot love him for shots on goal yeah it's somewhat Um, a revenge game too he was a former buffalo saber yeah um Really so like I, I like that spot a lot. Uh, shots on goal. And again, another one. Tate or 
Alex Tuck's actually fallen off on the shots on goal lately, but Tage Thompson's been really good and firing away. So if you're looking for a Buffalo angle, I like that. Any one of that top line for points have recently been juiced for them. So it's tough really to find value there. But I think Evan Rodriguez being on that first line could have some good value for a point, a goal, and definitely for shots on goal. Perfect. I love it. I definitely will be riding that Evan Rodriguez prop uh, tomorrow, especially given kind of his revenge angle there and everything he's done as of late. So, all right, I guess we can move on to the 7.30 game of the Devils traveling to the Toronto Maple Leafs of, I don't even know where to start with them. I mean, I really don't. That uh, interesting trade deadline, obviously, picked up Giordano. We're happy with it. But I think the other thing, too, when you look at the Leafs here, it's their 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. Haven't necessarily played great, are coming off an embarrassing loss against Nashville, 6-3. to three. Did defeat Carolina before 3-2 to two in that game and then took down Dallas 4 nothing. You look at the Devils, who have lost 6-3 to three in three games straight, but are kind of still on that. We're on a West Coast road trip, and I guess they're still kind of coming back to the East now, essentially. So they'll play one more game away. The Devils are actually playing again tonight, though, versus New York, uh, and they are 2-8-0-2 oh, on back-to-backs, but the over-under is 8-3 and three in those games. This over-under opened at 6 and is now at 6.5 here. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think you have to take the over-under here. Um, most likely, I know Nico Dawes starting for the Devils tonight. Assuming that would be John Gillies tomorrow, and John Gillies is awful. I confidently say probably one of the worst goalies in the NHL. Uh, and tr- truth be told, look, if they go back-to-back with Nico Dawes, it's not like he's been great either. I think he gave up five against Calgary, gave up, there was a game before Calgary as well. That Oh, he gave up four against Vancouver in like 10 minutes and was pulled. Gave up five against Calgary before he was pulled. Uh, he hasn't been great. He's better than John Gillies, but he hasn't been great himself. Uh, and then, look, we all know about the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending woes. Don't know who's going to be a net for them, but regardless, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, and the Devils team, as bad as they are, they can score. They have some good players up front. I yeah. like the the over under today. I think they played. Let me just look this up real quick. I know they played recently this year. Seven to uh, one Toronto on February first, and I think the game before that was like eight to four or something even more ridiculous. Because um, I know they played in a back to back. It was six four and seven one on back to back days. I think those two teams, like I said, they just score a ton. Yeah, yeah. In Toronto's last ten, they're averaging three point seven and giving up four. In the Devils' last 10, they're scoring three and giving up three and a half. So there's your seven right there, basically, when you're looking at kind of just base metrics between these two teams as of late. But you mentioned before, the Devils can't get scoring. They do have kind of a few solid three up front. You have Brat, uh, Hersher, and Hughes. Uh, I mean, the Devils definitely do have some pieces moving forward, but goaltending is one of their major issues. You said before, if, if Gillies does start, he he was awful versus Edmonton in his last out. And it looks like uh, Kelgren will get the start for Toronto, who's 2-1-1 one, one in his four starts that he's made for the team. He hasn't he hasn't necessarily been awful. He's not Peter Morezic awful when you really look at it. Um, but the Toronto doesn't have a great defensive core either. Um, and the Devils are one of the faster paces teams as well as the Maple Leafs. So I do like the over here. 
especially if you can get this at around minus 105, minus 110. I do see this moving to a minus 120. And this is one of those games too. I know we haven't seen it in the past few weeks, but this could be a seven, seven game when you really, before puck drop and kind of everyone gets their bets in, given a limited slate and the amount of action that's going to be on this game, the public's going to be on the over. Everyone's going to be on the over. So I could see a potential move to seven, but I believe it settles around six and a half at minus 120 range. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. I could definitely see this go at seven. Your real only worry is the devil scoring. Like, are you just going to have another Maple Leafs kind of dominance or if the devil are going to score, but I, I like it regardless. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think the devils are kind of been around their season ad- averages late. And if the devils do manage to score three, I think this game goes over. Um, so I do like that pick as well. Any player props here? I mean, the devil's, Typically, funny enough, they don't give up that many shots. Um, five on five, they're usually pretty good, so it's tough to go against them uh, on shots on goal. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that they're a good team against that. I think they're about middle of the pack. Uh, but that that's going to be tough, especially if if this does get to a blowout and you're going to start having players, let's say, your, your star's not playing as much. Uh, but, I mean, I think Austin Matthews literally scores against the doubles every single game. Like being a Devils fan, like that guy haunts me, especially with our crappy goaltending. Like his shot is like a cheat code. Yeah, I was gonna say if if this was the game he returned from his suspension, I would have loved an Austin Austin Matthews over points at like one and a half. Uh, obviously, I still think he kind of comes around that number, at least gets one, maybe hits two here. But I I do like him to score here as well. Um, and even Jesper Bratt has five points in his last three games. So those are kind of two guys that I was just looking at um, kind of as a prelim, but yeah, I like it. Any other uh, plays you're looking at here or kind of just mainly sticking with the total? Yeah. I mean, I like the total Um, on the double side of things. If you're going to play someone shots on goal, it's really got to be either Hughes or Brat. Funny enough, Jack Hughes is one of those players that has a better hit rate on shots on goal away from home. So if that's an angle you want to take, that might be decent. Uh, but I don't know exactly, and I haven't gone exactly into kind of Toronto against centers. That's one of the things that I like to look at uh, on that side of things. But I like those two. Uh, and yeah, I think I think for the most part, off the top of my head, that's really what I'm going to play. Uh, and then again, like I said, Austin Matthews, I like him for a goal. Yeah, I'm obviously not. I usually kind of refuse to play the puck line, but I'm looking at the puck line now. Toronto is minus one and a half or minus 120. And to me, that's it kind of screams like a trap line almost at some points. I just don't trust Toronto's goaltending enough um, in this game at all. It could just blow up and go to shit, or the Devils can somehow pull this game off. Toronto has been awful this year when they're heavily favored, kind of minus 300 or above. So that stuff is something I would stay away. I know a lot of people will be looking to play that puck line here, thinking there's some value only at minus 20, but I would be very cautious of that just looking at kind of where it opened and kind of where the early money's coming in on that yeah i personally won't be touching that i don't i'm, I'm not a big fan of puck lines either way just because how they're easily influenced by empty net goals uh, so personally i'm not one that wants to play that and i and i won't touch it anyway like i said there's so many games in hockey where a team gets a lucky bounce game goes into overtime or, or whatever might happen so like i said personally i'm I'll be sticking away. Yeah, Toronto's just not a team I trust in general. So I agree with you there. All right, let's head on to the next game. 
the Vancouver Canucks traveling to the Colorado Avalanche. There's a lot of buzz out of what the Canucks are going to do before the trade deadline. You obviously had Garland, Besser, and JT Miller all kind of rumored to be essentially on the trading block. None of them end up getting moved. Uh, Vancouver kind of stays put with their first-year GM, Patrick Alvin. He makes a few other small moves, um, but it looks like Vancouver is kind of hoping to sneak into that what second wild card spot almost uh it's a very slim chance but it seems like they're kind of holding out on hope for that they do have their goalie and thatcher demko is going to start tonight against kemper so that'll be the matchup in net colorado opens at minus 240 with vancouver at plus 205 on the money line over under set at six juiced pretty heavily at minus 120 to the over this is one of those games it's colorado people are going to bet the over it happens every single game, but I'm not in love with it here. I get Vancouver's been better defense or better offensively, I should say, in their last 10, averaging 3.1 compared to their season average of 2.8. And you have Vancouver, who's giving up more, averaging 3.5 goals against their last 10 compared to their season average of 2.86. Colorado's offense struggled a bit as of late, scoring 0.7 goals per game less and but they're playing better defensively so the one thing the one stat that really jumped out to me here I don't know if you saw this was Colorado's power plays hitting at close to a 40 percent rate in their last 10 games which is absolutely insane and I don't know how it's obviously not sustainable but that's it's just a crazy rate to hit yeah I think we're, we're kind of on the same page. I was literally going to mention the under in this game, Colorado with Landis down. They've lost a little bit of that depth scoring and they haven't been scoring as much as of late. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. They've, they've still been scoring, but I'm saying instead of scoring those five, six goals, they've been kind of limited to three, four, uh, which is low for them. Uh, Colorado's I believed in their last 10 overall have only allowed 2.3 goals in their last 10 overall. And Vancouver, we all know Thatcher Demko is a very good goalie who can kind of keep that score low. Darcy Kemper has been very good for Colorado as of late as well. I like the under here. And you're right, because I get scared so much with Colorado, and I've been burned by them previously. I remember a couple weeks back, I had the Avalanche Islanders under. We had three goals in the first 45 minutes, and then Colorado scored four in like three minutes. I'm just like, at any point, they can do that. But I do like the under on the play here. Yeah, and I agree. I think if you're going to want to play the under here, which I think is a sharp call, you're obviously going to lose a little bit of value on that number. But I would wait. I do believe it's going to jump to six and a half. And if you can take it, then I think it's even better value at six and a half rather than kind of playing for the push at six. I mean, Colorado... What uh, last night on Monday night, they faced they beat Edmonton three to two. And that was one of the games that was, I believe, around minus 125, minus 130 to the over at six and a half. So you look at them and their scoring is so inconsistent, though, because the game before this put up five. So it is one of those teams, like you said before, it's just terrifying. But in the under. So if you really, really want to kind of have a Wednesday night sweat, I say take the under here. But for me, this. It's just not worth it on the money line or kind of even on the puck line. So any player props to kind of get us a little intrigue for this game? I mean, 
I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Nathan McKinnon's shots on goal here. But Nathan McKinnon at home consistently is around minus 105, minus 110. And he, no joke, as of yesterday, this is before he hit yesterday, was 87% hit rate at home at four and a half. If he stays at four and a half again and he's anywhere between that 100 to 125 mark, I'm going to be taking him. If not, then we're going to have to evaluate from there. But I, I love him. Uh, ever since he's been put up to the first line, Valerie Nachushkin has been good with his shots on goal as well. Uh, usually around like at that two and a half point or two and a half shots on goal mark. And he's usually no more than 120, 125 as well. So I think he'll kind of come in at that point. And funny enough, if you're looking for a Vancouver shot on goal, uh, Vancouver's leading shot, I guess, shot volume guy, Brock Besser, he's been kind of put down to that minus 110, minus 120 area lately. So I think he could provide some good value there. He shoots the most, the puck the most on that team. So I think that's another interesting one uh, if you're looking there uh, for shots on goal. Yeah, good news for Colorado shot props on goal. They are averaging more shots on goal four in their last 10. And Vancouver is giving up almost two shots on goal more in their last 10 as well. So I like both of those bets when looking at the Colorado Avalanche there. I also add in, uh, interested to see what the number is, but I think there's going to be a really good value for Thatcher Demko saves uh, tomorrow as well. If we think that game's going under, then I think he's going to have to have a pretty good game and Colorado to shoot the puck a lot, especially at home. So I think that's going to be a, another pretty good one there. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what that line set at uh, as well. It's got to be probably around the 34, 35 range. Um, so very curious to see what happens with that. And obviously player props aren't released until the morning of. Um, so that'll be kind of a on the fly bet. You can obviously follow me at Gator Betting and Matt at Top Cheddar Picks. Those will be kind of your late picks ads. Obviously, Matt posts all of his uh, shots on goal props and kind of player props for the day on that, as well as a Discord. So just another plug for those two as well. If you are looking for kind of late bets, listening to this, wondering kind of what we did end up taking, you can definitely give us both a follow on those. But all right, let's head on to the late, late game. And I've already locked a pick in for this. I saw the line and... I saw some incredible value on this. I already so, know what you picked. You know what I picked? I was going to ask. I was like, I mean, know? I'm I'm just going to take a guess that you locked in the over already. Yep. Over six at minus one ton. Yep. I already locked that in. It's crazy. Um, these two teams in the last 10, what their kind of scoring average is for Chicago, 3.3 goals four in the last 10. Anaheim, 2.5 in the last 10. Struggling a bit offensively. But Anaheim's giving up four goals against in their last 10 and Chicago's giving up 3.8 in the last 10, both goalies. Uh, Kevin Lakenen has not been great as of well. He's given up four or more goals in four of his last five starts. Gibson has not been well either. Gibson's given up five, three, four, four, and three in his last five starts. So are you driving with me in the over here or what do we think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to, they just played, Two weeks ago, when the final score was eight to three, uh, Kevin Lankinen being in net, he kind of burned me on Saturday because he actually had a good start for the Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. But overall, by like expected goals and all these advanced ads, he's been the worst goal in the NHL this year. Uh, I think we're going to see goals either side. The Ducks just gave up what six, seven to Nashville yesterday. Yeah. Both teams have been very leaky uh, on kind of the defensive side of things. 
Um, and both teams have, you know, some pretty good forwards up there as well who are, are scoring at, like you mentioned, both teams right around that four goals for mark uh, per game. So seeing that it's at six, I could have, I thought this was going to open at six and a half. And then at six being at minus 110 just seems like really, really good value for me. Yeah, it, it seemed a little bit too good to be true. So I'm very curious to see where this line does that I'm closing. Because if it stays at six, I am going to be slightly worried about it. But if it does move to that six and a half range, I'm going to like it a little bit more, obviously, of getting closing line value. But it always does concern me of these teams playing kind of so close to each other. And you do see a game go so far over of 11 combined goals between these two a little over two weeks ago. And they come back and open at six here. So I don't know if this is one of those games where people are kind of Chicago, Anaheim, two not really flashy teams that kind of this under is going to go under the radar. This over is going to go under the radar, essentially. But very curious to see where this line moves here for me. Um, I personally don't put too much into the line movements. I think a lot of hockey is just a ton of bounces that go your way that can change the game completely. I, I personally wouldn't be worried either way. I think it's a good play at having it at only six, uh, and I'm going to be riding it regardless, so I'm not too, too worried about it either way. So, all right, let's get into some player pops for this game as well. Anyone you're kind of targeting on either side in this matchup? Yeah, I think Alex debrinkett has been pretty consistent for yep. shots on goal, goals in, in general for them. So I think he'd be a pretty good play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, on top of that, on the Anaheim Ducks side of things, he's been inconsistent, but if you're going to play someone on shots on goal, I like Troy Terry or uh, Trevor Zegers in terms of value. I think Trevor Zegers usually is at around that plus 120 mark for two and a half, uh, but he's inconsistent with it. I think Chicago gives up a ton of shots on goal and they're a really good target. So I'd like to be playing someone from the Ducks. On top of that, the loss of Ricard Raquel, there's going to be some shots open up as well for other guys. So I don't know if that's going to be a Silverberg, if it's going to go to Zegers Terry, what that's going to look like. But there's a little bit more shots opening up there. So interested on that piece as well. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be kind of a, one of the better late games that we see, uh, given kind of the limited slate we have for tomorrow. But all right, anything else you want to touch on for tomorrow's slate? I think that's about it. I think a lot of good value right now. And I've noticed that there's, there's been really good value as of late in picking, picking stuff up early and you'll typically you'll see lines move from there. So I think that's kind of where I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, this has been another episode of expected bets Four presented by the odds breakers. We will be back every week. We obviously still have some guests on kind of here and there, breaking down some shot props or kind of offering some more insight into the NHL gambling world itself. But as always, you can follow me on Instagram at Gator Sports Betting and on Twitter at Gator Betting. And Matt, you want to go ahead and plug the Discord and your Twitter one more time? Yeah, so Twitter's at Top Cheddar Picks. Uh, link to the discords kind of in my, on my Twitter page, you can find it pretty easily. Uh, and like I said, it's free to, or free to anyone to, to join and kind of be part of that community. Uh, but I post my picks on both Twitter discords. So if you're only in one, don't feel like you're missing on the other. Uh, but yeah, definitely appreciate you having me and excited to kind of do this uh, on a weekly basis. Yes. Very excited for all the content we have moving forward. 
definitely be more kind of video content as well. And then just really getting to some player props as we kind of move forward closer to the playoff season starting. So, all right, everyone, thanks for listening and best of luck.